awesome. Welcome to New Polities Podcast, everyone. We are here two weeks out from the death of Pope Benedict XVI, um, someone who has meant a great deal to so many of us. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and particularly some of his thoughts on political theology and political economics. Mm-hmm. Um in the sense to kind of save him from some criticism on both the left and the right, primarily the right. Um, Just because it's who we seem to take issue with more. Yeah. We take them seriously. I don't know. Yeah. Totally. Nothing yeah. Is, <laughs> no, if you're a left winger out there, sorry. sorry no we offense. Do, yeah. <laughs> well, let's move but, on. But yeah. <laughs> Without stalling any further. Uh, and he actually was somewhat revolutionary for you when you were this crazy agnostic atheist type in college, mm-hmm. you picked up some Ratzinger, right? Can you tell me that story first? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the story, the story is that I, I had been, I had been reading a lot of history. I've been studying history, philosophy, history, philosophy, history mm-hmm. of thought. And I was going, like you were saying, I was go, I had been going down a certain path uh, towards sort of, I think of it as the abyss towards nihilism. All right, towards towards the sort of destruction of the Enlightenment, and then the question is, well, if the Enlightenment is is defunct, is no good, then what's left? Nothing, mm-hmm. you know. So the pro- postmodern sort of hole, you yep. know, going down into that, and not liking it very much. Like aesthetically, I found it to be ugly and disconcerting, and like, is this really what I need to be? You know. And then it's like, well, maybe the opposite is the case. Maybe maybe it's not that nothing has me- meaning. Maybe. It's, it's that everything does. Yeah. That can I can I just switch? Can I just flip the whole thing around and be just as consistent? You know, and so I was like, well, I should explore this sort of Christianity thing. And so I picked up an introduction to Christianity. Yeah. Thinking, well, it'll be an introduction. <laughs> 101. 101. <laughs> and, and so I was actually, I remember when I read it as like a 20-year-old, thinking that this was like an introductory catechesis sort of a book. Like I had no idea who Joseph Ratzinger was. I had no idea. It's like... And I remember going, this is the introductory text? Like, <laughs> oh my, like, and. <laughs> What's next? Yeah, yeah. I was like, wow. And he, um, he blew my mind. And, and the reason why I think at that time, I'm trying to remember, it was a long time ago, but was that he understood all the objections that I had, was so proud of myself for having sort of discerned or mm. coming to and just sort of moved past them, you know, like, like appropriated modernity and then just sort of pushed through it. And, and the reason why that was so powerful to me was because I had associated, I had in my ignorance, I had associated Christianity, conservative Christianity with um, what I thought of as being a sort of naive um, defense of enlightenment reason and enlighten- the enlightenment in general, mm. which I think often it seems strange to people to think that. Can you, can you explain that really quick? Oh, the whole idea of sort of disinterested natural reason and natural law and the idea uh, and even even the idea of sort of ethical or moral norms being self-evident. Yeah, that you can just discern right, these all by yourself. That you just sort yourself. of just yeah. sit around and look around and just think, well, reason tells me that I ought to love my neighbor. And it's like, actually, reason doesn't tell me that. Actually, if I'm just, just going to be on my own, then I end up with Nietzsche. <laughs> you know, like, he's actually the smartest one I've encountered when I'm on my own. You know? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so you know, I didn't, I didn't buy that stuff. And so it, it struck me as sort of that that form of reasoning struck me as um, 
like there just wasn't much there. Mm-hmm. And he and he was the one that introduced me to this whole this whole communio twentieth uh, century. So I moved directly from from him into De Lubac and Balthazar and all. And then like, oh, actually, actually, these guys understand all this and are, understand it better um, than the the other people I was reading and. The well, guys that were actually was smarter. Yeah. They were smarter. Responding to it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that so that that had a huge impact on me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Daily Bach, not Terry Duh type thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like they already know everything that he's saying, um, and and have, have gone past it already. Right. So that I guess that's the sort of short version of the story. Yeah. Well, that's a good story. <laughs> <laughs> he gave us you, I guess. Yeah. The um you know, I think when looking at some of the criticisms of Pope Benedict from again, from that right wing position, it's the often mark him as being a liberal of yeah. actually not really solving the problems that you're saying that he solved. Right. And, and primarily that there's this kind of wishy-washy thing because he's not okay with just giving the facts. Mm-hmm. I mean, even his Episcopal code of arms had, uh, that we were co-laborers right. of the truth. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, if Pope Francis said that, I mean, it's like people would just go up and arms. Right. They would say right, that that's right, just right, the heresy right. of heresies. Right. But then he does it. And we all kind of like trust him of geni- being a genius. So he gets away with it. But oftentimes we don't, especially on the right, don't sit and think, well, what do you actually mean by that? Yeah. I mean, what's brilliant there, and, 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 and this is... Talking about Benedict is hard. is somewhat hard for me because I've never, I've never written on him. I've never taught taught mm-hmm. him, and so this is I read, but you know it doesn't it doesn't get stored away the way it does when you teach or you write on it. So yeah. I'll do the best I can. But but that idea of being of something like being a coworker in the truth, well, you know what's going on there. I think is that what he wants us to see, what he's asserting, is that our the historical world, the world that we live in, mm-hmm. the world of man, is not separated from the world of revelation and God. What I mean is like, it's like it is exactly the recipient mm-hmm. and the field on which Christianity plays it out, plays itself out. Okay. So yeah. so there's not we, ah. we could have our culture, we could build it up in various ways mm-hmm. like we could be not sports obsessed and there have been cultures that right. have not been sports obsessed you know we romans could have had something else other than gladiatorial games that actually that, that the hebrews could have spoken a different language that they could have different rituals and patterns of their life but when the word enters into the culture he has to be intelligible and conform to it the form that the word takes right the word is spoken yeah and and so because of that, the word a word is a middle term between mm. a speaker and a listener, mm. right? It's not. It's only sort of oddly a word if I say a sound and it means nothing to you. It's only a word to like a third party, right? right. Not yes. to us. Yes. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Like mm-hmm. like you don't know it, so it's not a word. Mm-hmm. And so there's so that that very concept right there is one of entering into a, the 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 human world and speaking to it. Mm-hmm. It's too, so, so the word then revelation is not, it's not that humanity, it's not that humanity determines what's the content of revelation, but that revelation is a response to humanity. Do you see like, and speaking yeah. to them. Mm-hmm. So, so that means that the content of revelation is always historical. 
right? Now, some people get all bent out of shape because they're like, well, that sounds like modernism or something. But the very, the, 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 the mistake that the modernists are making are there, is, th- is thereby relativizing it, right? Like right. Ma- coming to yeah. that sort of a conclusion and thereby saying, therefore, there's no content or something like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas Ratzinger saying, no, there, therefore, man's history is a part of the, the, the very um, essence of, of the revelation. Right, yes. Right? It's in it from within, yep. right? Yeah, I would say it's its nature even. Yeah. I mean, to me, yeah. <laughs> into too, too much philosophical language, but actually insofar as the truth is actually revealed and manifested in a particular way, mm-hmm. the form that it takes is culturally contingent. Well, the form, the formal cause of something is from whence a nature derives because it is the source and the cause of it being intelligible. Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, I know that's kind of like that's metaphysics one hundred and one or no, logic one hundred and one, but it's really. But you see, helpful. what's what's yeah. happening is that you're bringing history. You're not you're not treating history as a problem, mm-hmm. right? But you're yeah. treating history as like a problem to work around, yeah. right? You're treating history as as the heart of it. Yeah. God reveals Himself in time because He's actually coming to, to us. us as a man. Yeah. yeah. In time <laughs> and speaking in language. So so once you once you. I mean, once you get, once you come to understand the implications of that way of thinking, then so much of the modern and postmodern critiques become nullified or become um, are capable of being dealt with. Mm. So you see, because you're not claiming some sort of um, some sort of absolute propositional independent truth yeah. outside of the reception of the truth, right? Reception becomes integral to truth. Yeah. So. That that I mean I think that's that that is, so so this is one of the reasons why when he when he talks about say Europe, um, it becomes very interesting right and people accuse him people on the left accuse him of being ethnocentric and that kind of thing because he doesn't think that Christianity's European manifestation is just. Um, Oh, it's historically contingent. It can just be different. It could have been something it's, else. It's yeah. just whatever. We can just leave it behind, and we don't want to like export any of the any of the forms of Christianity, historical forms. Anyway, it's like no, Christianity has become Christianity in this historical uh, trajectory, yeah. right? And that and that now is what Christianity is. Now, <laughs> yeah. Christianity with it because it is a manifestation of the truth. It's capable of assimilating and adapting to all other manifestations of truth, you know? Yeah, I think maybe it might be easier to understand first in saying that, like, Christianity is Palestinian. Um, Like, does that make, like, you know, like, Jesus came as a Jew. Right. You know, he came to Israel, you know? It's like, there is something that you just cannot say, like, sure, he could have picked Ethiopia, I guess he could have picked... Well, those sorts of counterfactuals are just neither here nor there. Yeah, because... He actually defined it as something, yes, right, right? right? And the same thing is like the growth and the outworking of Christianity happened in Europe, right? And that's his point. I, it I is. hope that's that, more that is. And so, yeah. and so he, yeah. so he, or this helpful, is what he's trying to. I mean, he's doing many things here, but one of the things he's doing is, is arguing against those who want to strip Christianity of its Greek influences, for example, mm-hmm. right? And that um, because he he wants to assert that no Greek philosophy is is actually um, at this point essential essential. I mean, it's actually now an aspect of what Christianity is, mm-hmm. right? It's not superfluous. Right. Yeah. Can't get rid of that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> to understand Christianity, you have to understand some of these roots. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it also, I mean, obviously this goes to doctrines of tradition, ecclesiology, all of that, right? I mean, this yeah. is, so it's the the foundations for, for all of those different 
branches of his thought. Um, and that's profoundly powerful. And it, and it, and it really has a, a lot of implications. I mean, I think it has a lot of implications for even what you were, you were talking about earlier about, about some people supposing him to be wishy-washy on the political stuff or, or mm. lib- I guess even somewhat liberal. Some people will accuse him of being with regards to say super separation of church and state or, or those sorts of, or those sorts of issues. Mm-hmm. And what they're not, what's being missed, what things are being held as absolute, which Ratzinger is not holding as absolute. Okay. So like he's not hold, he's not holding the division of society into spiritual and temporal realms as, as some absolute that um, has to be put in the proper order. I mean, what I'm saying is he's, he's, he's treating the, the European division of, of, social powers into those general categories as an aspect of the way in which Christianity itself converted the people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's, so, say, <laughs> yes. No, so, let's, let's say that again. Cause I think it's so important. That's it's probably like, a confusing. W- yeah. When, when we try and say like church and state or spiritual or temporal powers, like putting it into these binaries, mm-hmm. Benedict's coming along and saying, don't try and put those this, those categories on me because what I'm trying to teach you is that the only reason you would ever even think of these categories is because Christianity taught them to the world. That's right. Yeah. Right. So 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 when you say so because as moderns we've gotten to the point because because Christianity so you have this sort of narrative here you know Christianity um, desacralizes political power in a sense. Yeah. Okay. Now, and this is, it's really important to understand what we mean by that, right? Because you have, maybe I should read, maybe I should read. Yeah. Let me read a quote from Benedict and we'll see what, ta- what I'm talking about here. He says, um, all right. And this is a paragraph, but you know, his paragraphs are sort of long. So he's German. So bear with me. <laughs> and he's talking about Christ's um, render to Caesar. And is saying that we must give Caesar what is his and God what is his. Jesus separates imperial power and divine power. He takes the us sacrum, sacred law, out of the us publicum, public law, and thereby cuts in two the fundamental constitution of the world of antiquity, indeed of the pre-Christian world in general. And separating the us sacrum from the, imp- the emperor's us publicum, he created space for freedom of conscience at the edge of which every power ends, even that of the Roman god emperor, who thereby becomes a mere man emperor and is transformed into the, ap- uh, the apocalyptic beast when he nevertheless tries to remain a god and denies the inviolable space of conscience. Hence, with this saying, a limit is set for every earthly power, and the freedom of the human person is proclaimed, which transcends all political systems. For this limit, Jesus went to his death. He witnessed and suffering to the limit of power. Christianity begins not with a revolutionary, but with a martyr. The increase in freedom that mankind owes to the martyrs is infinitely greater than the one that revolutionaries could obtain for it. Okay, now, if you want to read that in a in a sort of modern way, you can say, you can say, look, he's saying, he's saying that the, the emperor used to be religious and then Christianity, or then, then, then he made uh, the emperor secular or something. And then we have this other realm that's now religious. But the thing is, is that that's not what's, that's not what's going on at all here, because what is it that renders the emperor no longer a God 
what is it that renders the emperor no longer a god king, a god man? The actual god man, right? Christ, the actual god king, right? And so Christianity, as Christianity, rearranges or renders the the idea of the political realm as also at the same time the spiritual, so the temporal and the spiritual as the as one, so the historically right. contingent being the absolute, mm-hmm. right? That sort of idea, and says no. The absolute is the absolute, and it manifests itself historically in historical specifications or historical contingency, but the historically contingent can never be mistaken for the absolute. Now, and every person as person has a share in the absolute, even as they participate in the particular, right? So now we've got the separation into the spiritual and the temporal, right? That, that, that the spirit separation into the absolute and the historical, right? The temporal and the, and the, and that, which doesn't change. I think today's, (laughs) today's point in history, ironically, I think actually the absolute and the historical is probably more helpful distinction for us than spiritual and temporal temporal. because we just get stuck in church state you know liberal christian i just think i just it's such a mistake to think that the spiritual power is the ecclesiastical hierarchy or or even that it's completely separable from the temporal stuff it's like all right i guess we're all damned here the point the point that's being made here is and, and you think about this okay so oh it's a separation of the political into the religious it's like well no christianity is what does it. Christianity is the religious, the meta religion. Yeah. So the point is that like the, 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 the distinction between the temporal and the spiritual and then their complex relationship is that what we were talking about earlier about that, that intervention into time or that, that involvement into time Mm. of the divine, right? You can't mistake that involvement in time for the divine. Right. Do you know, you know, yes, what, and that's what yeah. the, that's what the imperial, that's what the imperial, the pagans are doing. Right. And so, and so that, that distinction then, because it, in a sense, it, it doesn't, it doesn't render what's happening temporally meaning the temporal meaningless. It certainly doesn't render it secular, mm-hmm. right? Because it's exactly, it's of course, exactly Christianity that is doing this. So unless you're going to say Christianity is secular, which would just be a weird thing to say, right? <laughs> I mean, I guess you can play games with definitions, but, but. The, unless you're willing to say that, then you've got to say that no, the the temporal, the temporal realm or the temporal power, the temporal mm-hmm. whatever emerges as such only within Christianity. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So the because point is, was, you can't get more integralist. Yeah. <laughs> Right, like it's more integral than the integralist. Yeah, <laughs> far more. In fact. Yeah, well, that's not that hard actually. As right, we've but I mean, way more. Yeah, yeah. So I think maybe if I could try and s- summarize this again, because this might be a lot, um, and this attempt might be unhelpful. But here we go. If, as Benedict has put elsewhere, if without Christianity we are closed off from heaven, mm-hmm. this is all that we have here, mm-hmm. and so there would be no conception. That, all of a temporal and spiritual division. Right. But what, what Christ does by entering in, in these last days, he's not spoken by means of a prophet, by, but by means of his son, by, by God actually penetrating into this realm, he has revealed to us that what we're doing here, this cultural thing that's happening, these worlds that we are building, the, the, the societies that we're constructing, are relative 
we could be mm -hmm. doing something else. And yet we still have eternal access to knowing and loving God, mm -hmm. which is the baseline of how he started his pontificate with Deus Caritas S. Mm -hmm. in saying that now this is so important because with God coming into our historical settings, he can take hold the spiritual, he who is the Holy Spirit can take hold of all temporal things and gather them into himself mm -hmm. to redeem them, to make all temporal things, spiritual things. That's why I think almost the language of the absolute and the historical are almost more helpful because the absolute is penetrating into mm -hmm. what could be otherwise and saying, I'm claiming this in gratuity, in love for me as a truth. Hence his Episcopal coat of arms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it allows this yeah. way of this way of understanding it then allows us, I think, to make sense of some of the language that Benedict sometimes uses of tolerance, pluralism, yeah. freedom of conscience. Because some of that people will mis mistake that for a sort of liberalism. Mm -hmm. But what he's actually what he's actually asserting is that it is it is within the the humility of Christianity, right? The, and the yeah. sort of, the sort of humble confidence yeah. in, uh, of Christianity in that allows men to tolerate each other. I mean, mm -hmm. we've talked about like to, to, to see, to know that the historical is not the absolute. Okay. And so to know that, that there are different threads going on, that there's, there's things I may not understand or there's participations in the truth that are different than me. Mm -hmm. There's ways of there's ways of being and moving towards the objective that are not exactly mine. Yeah. Right. And so even if I'm in a position of power, then I have to be maintain at no point succumb to indifference ever. Yeah. Right. But I have to I have to have patience and compassion and mercy and and in that allow. Uh, you know, allow the temporal to be the temporal and not, and not try to make it the absolute. Right. And if this right? is, if so, we are close <laughs> off, right. If we so, are close off from heaven, if this is all there is, then there is this kind of uber uh, desire for control. Mm -hmm. I mean, like in the ubermensch kind of sense, like right, you're yes. trying to gather to, to hold in place. Right. But within Christianity, where we know that this there, we have some, we have some real claim to, the absolute given his descent to us, we can have that sort of long suffering, that mercy towards those that are different in a way that never existed prior to. That's the right. That's absolutely correct. And it, yeah. Correct. And it, and it has even, it has even that original flavor of martyrdom that, that he talks about in that quote I just read, where right. yeah. you may get burned, yeah. right? Like in that patience, right? Yeah. It may come, it may blow back on you because of mm -hmm. sin and the willingness to risk it. Mm -hmm. you, you see like yeah. that that's the root of tolerance yep. like that's the root of of what we might call the possibility for some sort of pluralism if we mean that in a very small p sense right like yeah. like, <laughs> like you, you you know so there's no mistaking this for like some sort of um uh some sort of oh we can all just go our separate ways and it doesn't matter what people are it's like no it's exactly it's exactly a society that is Christian in its values that allows that society to be tolerant. Right. When it abandons Christianity, the ability for that tolerance, that mercy, that compassion 
goes with it. Yeah. So it is Christianity that enables this. And so this is the reason why in all of his proclamations, his speeches in Europe and to the, the, Mm -hmm. about the necessity of the Christian roots. Yeah. It's like all of these things you're talking about, human rights, democracy, freedom, none of that will last without Christianity. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, Christianity is the, the conditions of possibility for for any of that, uh, any of those ideals. Yeah, and just so if people don't know, Pope Benedict did go on a, kind of a speaking tour around major sites <laughs> of Europe, and it really was this message that he kept reiterating. Mm-hmm. I, you know, if you want to kind of an easy starting place, the speech that he gave to the Parliament in Westminster mm-hmm. in uh, to Britain to Britain is a, is a great one, and uh, and he there he actually explicitly brings up this problem of societies that call themselves tolerant. Mm-hmm is actually refusing to be the, this abandonment of Christ is ultimately dislocating yourself from the ability to be tolerant, to be well, merciful. Because you're, if you abandon, yeah. if you abandon the, the, the Christian, the, the, the reality of Christianity. So if you mm-hmm. abandon what we've been talking about this whole time about the interpenetration of the absolute in the particular, if you, mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. you abandon that, then your choices become rather limited. I mean, you, you, you either particularize everything, yeah. okay, and, and, you, and you attempt to, to form some sort of just aimless, relativistic, atomized, which, which would necessarily, I mean, they actually probably end up in the same place, both the options I'm going to give, because that, you have yeah. that option. The other option is to attempt to absolutize the particular. So your, whatever your beliefs are, your ideology, your particular mm-hmm. framework, you, you try to impose absolutely. Right. Now, of course, that first option ends up in a, a fight for power, right? Of all against all, which then ultimately results in the second option. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so, and which is back to the Roman emperor, the God King. Yep. Okay. So you have, so it might take, yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, that's helpful. Like if we go down the path that we have in the West, for the most part, down this uh, liberal path where each is given his own, mm-hmm. you do you type thing. Right. You know, there will be some peaceable aspects to this, but at some point to actually have a unified way of living with one another, you're going to have to absolutize. There's going to the be an particular. imposition. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and, and if it's not, if it's not the Christian, if it's not the Christian framework, which is the one that allows for the, the tolerance and, and long suffering yeah. that we're talking about, then it will be violent. Yeah. I mean, it'll be coercive. It'll, it'll compel. Yeah. Right. And um, which is what you see, of course, in throughout the non-Christian world, <laughs> historically and c- contemporary. Right. right? Yeah. So so Christianity then. So this is the reason why I think that the mistake of, of perceiving him as a liberal is is a mistake that's still seeing. That's it's a mistake that's seeing something like this, like like, like you have the state or the temporal as this thing that is an absolute that's always existed. Right. As itself. Mm-hmm. Right. The Roman Empire or whatever. It's always just been like politics. And then religion comes, you know, Christianity comes along and sort of um, perfects it or elevates it or like, aims it towards some final end that's other than the end of the political or something like that. And then when you then if you start thinking about it that way, then the things he's saying can start to sound like he's talking about a separation of church and state or a division of religion from the side, you know, um, but that's, but that's exactly what he's not doing. What he's saying is that there is no piece of the human experience that is not an aspect of the redemption that Christianity brings. There is no component of it, mm-hmm. right? It's not. And so the, the political itself is now 
has now been changed into a different form because of Christianity. And you only get to have that form within Christianity, (laughs) right? You only get to have peace in Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, (laughs) you know, and and I was once talking to a friend of mine in grad school and he was saying, um, he was trying to make an objection to this argument one time. And he said, you know, now that we have the revelation of Christianity, we can just take that and not the religious form. <laughs> it's like, no, man, no, no, that, no, that, no, no. <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> that is actually prior, setting, missing the entire point. Mm-hmm. Because if Christianity is just a, a list of facts to follow or even principles yeah, to adhere law. to, just, yeah, at that, at that point, you have misunderstood that the fact that this is ultimately a person that is gratuit or, or persons that are gratuitously giving themselves like Jesus is the truth. Right. Like it is through him who is that absolute that we can actually sanctify our historical settings. Well, and this is really, isn't yeah. this the thrust of the, in, his encyclical on, on truth and charity? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, charity and truth and it, where, where charity becomes, charity becomes I'm trying to paraphrase, but, but but charity becomes the the perfection of and the ground of possibility for truth. Yeah, right. Like like charity mm-hmm. becomes that which elevates justice and truth past itself. But even justice and truth themselves only become themselves within the initial moves into charity. Mm-hmm. Right. But charity is the the fruit of grace. Yeah. Right. And, and it's not merely propositional revelation. It's not a. It, it, it is something that works internally in the on the heart. Right in the will, in the mm-hmm. in the spirit, and so the spiritual power then, as that which assists on the inside, right, is prior is, is sort of the ground of possibility for justice, peace, and truth on the outside. So okay. that the temporal, those temporal perfections are only had through the spiritual move. Yes, and so and yeah. that's the reason why the temporal is ordered to the spiritual, not in a stacking. Mm-hmm. But an internally, yes. So to do you see what it, you yeah, know <laughs> from, the, from the inside out? It, yes. it reforms. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, just like us, you <laughs> yeah, know. And, exactly. And, and that is his point: is that it is. I mean, in that good old fashioned say, the kingdom of God breaking into the world through our hearts. Right. Right. You know, it does begin here, and then we start to act, behave, and do things differently as a culture. And then there's more. The the yeah. possibilities change. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. I mean, yeah. like what what human beings are possible of. Like, there's a certain truth in the in the ancient pagan and the Roman pagan complaint against Christianity that like what you're talking about is a fantasy, is a utopia. If everyone behaved your way, the bar- the way you're describing, the barbarians will just conquer the empire. I mean, they say these sorts of things, mm-hmm. right? And there's like truth to that, unless Christianity's true, <laughs> right? And then it's not true anymore. You know, yeah. you know. But Christianity has to be true in order for it to be for for it to work (laughs) you know so so my point my point one of the points i think here is that is that benedict you know he uses language he tries to soften the language he tries to make it um what's the word uh accessible Mm -hmm. to the world that he's talking to so he tries not to trigger them he's trying not to offend he's trying which is all things that popes have to do and sometimes it can be frustrating for those of us that have already assented but we have to understand, don't we, that that he's attempting to explain this to people who don't know what he's talking about, and so to be judgment too judgmental on that, 
is a mistake on, on the, some of the language that he has to use and, and things like that. I think. Yeah. And I mean, it, just observe how you talk to about these things with a non-Christian. Right. Like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Know, and yeah. so, and so I think that he, he doesn't have like Christianity. His, his theology is so Christocentric, you know, mm-hmm. um, and therefore historic, his, his, like based in history, because yes. Christ is yeah. incarnate. Yeah. Right. That, it can become it can be hard to track for people who aren't used to thinking in that way mm-hmm. right for people who are used to thinking in propositions and syllogisms and definitions and arraying definitions in ways that produce conclusions right and when when you start thinking historically what happens is that everything slips yeah i think Do you know everything mo- everything gives yeah and i think that's, part, <laughs> that's perhaps part of the reason why like uh, caritas and varietate that his encyclical hasn't gotten as much int- as much attention as centesimus honest mm-hmm. for for you know for instance right. where there's just here's a problem mm-hmm. here are the principles that the church has said clash most with what the ideologies that are going on right now and and really pope benedict says all right we've we've dealt with these ideologies the church has done it he actually says i'm not even going forward from rerum navarum anymore and the problem of but really we've totally lost the conceptional of what's real mm-hmm. and the baseline of what is even booing up the reality of our cultures in the first place. Right. We've completely forgot that. So, you know, we can't blame him for being a genius or anything, I guess. But <laughs> I, he's just one of those guys that they're very rare that you need to go back and read and read over and over again. And every time you realize how much is there? You know, mm-hmm. that's that's how it is for me anyway. I yeah, mean, and, oh, no, certainly. Do, and you can yeah. just feel the sincerity and the compassion, the charity in his writing, right? Mm-hmm. And that, um, and the genius, of course. Mm-hmm. And so he's one of those people you have to be docile to, like yeah. just listen to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'd recommend. We're, so, so people trying to. Uh, oh, do you want to read that first before? That's a good oh, quote. Oh, oh. You should just toss it in there, yeah, and then tell people. To, yeah, and then tell people to read that book. Yeah. Well, this is from an essay. It's called the essay that's called "A Christian Orientation in a Pluralistic Democracy?" Question <laughs> mark. All right, and, and it is a little passage where he says, um, "But it, but in general, it is clear in the contemporary world that the faith's claim to public validity should not impair the state's pluralism and religious tolerance." Uh oh. Right. <laughs> Okay, but then he continues. But a complete neutrality with regard to values on the part of the state cannot be deduced from this. The state must recognize that a basic framework of values with a Christian foundation is the pre the precondition for its very existence. <laughs> yeah, I mean that like yeah, the state's ability to be pluralistic or to have tolerance is only because of the Christian foundation that it rests on. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, that that vanishes. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, th- <laughs> I sorry. I know we're trying to conclude, and we will. Yeah. But the, um, you know, I mentioned to you whilst we were enjoying a very nice sausage and pepperoni pizza for lunch, <laughs> that um, you know, really did come down to it when I was trying to decide, like, do I go with my mom's faith or my dad's faith in, yeah. in middle school and stuff? Is that um, that long suffering that just it is a reality mm-hmm. of God, whoever He is. Um, just doesn't didn't fit with any other religious narrative that I found. 
It was only in Christianity where you found that the idea that God really would be long-suffering for our sins, for our rebellion, that that, that makes sense of what's really happening right Mm -hmm. now. And the fact that as Christians, we are supposed to come to be participants in God's divine nature Mm -hmm. renders us capable of doing what he's doing and being long-suffering. Absolutely. And and having this invention. And you never... never, That doesn't mean, right, that you accommodate the sin or that you uh, ignore it or make it less of a sin. Just like he doesn't. It's actually the reality of it as sin that makes you suffer. Yeah. But you, but you endure. You, you know, yeah. I, I I mean, yeah. 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 That, that is the heart of it. Yeah. Tolerance is a political invention stemming from the reality of God's mercy. Yes. Yeah. Right. Cool. Well, okay. <laughs> everybody go read your Benedict the 16th and uh, hopefully we will all be able to start praying to him soon. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all right. Thanks. Jacob. Thanks.